1: Reminder, we are going to be mixing up a little bit next week on Sunday. Those of you are listening, the week of the 7th, I guess this is, uh, we are going to be mixing up this life a little bit and doing it with uh, Mike Catherwood, if you remember him from Loveline. And Bruce and I will also be doing a special weekly infusion with calls. All of these, and there will be also a Facebook Live and a YouTube channel Live. And that's YouTube slash Dr. Drew, is that correct?
2: Yes. Wow.
1: So it's going to be a multimedia event next Sunday. We'll be doing both this live with Catherine and Bruce, you and I. So that will be all happening on the 16th of July. So do tune in to the YouTube channel, YouTube Dr. Drew, also Facebook Live. And as well, we'll be taking calls. Uh, Number to be announced probably on that Facebook. I don't have the number at this point. Hey, this is Dr. Drew, and you are listening to This Life with Bob Hoyt and Dr. Drew. Here we are.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, gather round, and you're already on Facebook Live. This is another episode of This Life with Dr. Drew and me, Bob Forrest.
1: And a reminder to check out the family podcast at drdrew.com. And uh, please do support the people that support there. And click through on the Amazon banner. And we have lots of good sponsors. And we really stand behind everybody that works with this uh, podcast. We appreciate you guys' support. If it weren't for the technology of Apple and the genius of Steve Jobs, we'd be out of business, right? Yep. I mean, basically, it's all Steve Jobs things that we use. Well, I was thinking, when you watch the Jobs movie... He, he he's introducing the uh, iPod Pod. yeah the right. iPod the, what is the, the, music the music one, movie. right? Yeah, and he's like three hundred songs, and you're in this little device, amazing. And I thought, wow, that was an amazing breakthrough. Look how far we've come since that. We have that everything, twenty four hours a day, and here we are. But speaking of having everything, we have Randy Couture, the here. king, right here. Yeah, very exciting. Uh, go ahead, you gush a little bit, Bob. You're very excited. <laughs> well,
3: I just want to pick his brain. <laughs> Hi, Randy. Hey, Randy. Hey, how are you guys?
1: Randy Great. needs no intro, of course. Uh, but he, you know, he's been on everything, he's been on films, uh, Scorpion, Expendable film he's a, a was i didn't know he's a, a retired usa uh u.s army sergeant i did not know that it's
3: pretty obvious i, I, I mean i he's got that it wasn't hard to believe i just didn't know it So <laughs> i thought maybe like. yeah
1: so uh and randy you're also promoting right now your son's event tell us about that
4: yeah my son ryan is he's my oldest of three children and he's fighting this weekend this saturday in madison square garden uh for bellator fighting championship uh it's Bellator 180. He's on the prelims, so you can find him streaming on bellator.com. Uh, a great card, It's going to be an amazing uh, fight or, or set of fights on Saturday night here in New York City. So I'm very excited for him to get the opportunity to be on this car. This will be his 15th professional fight, and uh, he, he's a, a very good fighter, and, and uh, I'm, I'm very proud of him.
1: It's a big deal. This Bellator fight is, is created. I was in the city when they announced at that big press conference. Oh, really? It was talked about in the streets. I mean, it was like finally, it's back. It's fantastic. They were so excited. And uh, were you at that press conference, Randy? Did you? Already see no, it? I
4: didn't. I didn't make that one.
1: It was a lot of uh, just. I, I mean, the questions coming out of the audience. They like they've like they've been waiting for years to ask these questions. It was so interesting. And uh,
3: so I got a lot of naive questions right, for you before MMA came on the scene. What was going on that you guys were doing? Because I figure you're the guy that knows the whole roots of this.
4: Well, Well, you understand what I'm saying, right? It really hit the United States market in 1993. And I think at that time, it was a bunch of different martial artists and combative sports athletes from different backgrounds out to show that their style of fighting and martial arts was the best. And I think quickly on, we realized... I think by UFC 6 or 7, we realized there was no one style that incorporated everything you needed to know. Uh, this hybrid sport kind of grew out of those early days. I came in as a wrestler around the time of UFC 13 and in 1997 to prove what wrestlers could do and what wrestlers Olympic caliber and collegiate style wrestlers were all about. And uh, I quickly realized I needed to learn a whole bunch of other stuff. And, and now we kind of, you know, fast forward. 20 plus years and we have this hybrid sport where you have to be able to grapple wrestle uh striking in all its forms um and be able to do those proficiently in, in
1: all those areas and, and strategically too the, the, what, Within I've been, seconds. what i've been Within what i've been seconds. schooled is that it's like a, a chess match as much as it is uh you know all those different skills would you would you agree randy
4: Absolutely. I always liken it to kinetic chess. It's it's chess in a very physical sense. But do
3: you realize, when you're going up against somebody, you realize what what fighting technique they're not so good at doing, right? So
4: don't you... Well, I definitely try to study my opponents. You know, we talked about technology before we got started here. I mean, this day and age, I've got film. I've got my opponent's you know, last nine fights on video. I can watch them, see how he's progressed, see where he seems to win fights, see where he seems to lose or, or not like to be, and kind of develop my idea of how he's progressed and where, where his tendencies are. Does he get tired? Is, is he a, a good striker, a good kicker? How are his submission skills? Is his takedown defense good? And kind of fashion a game plan based on what I see in, in that video footage. And so what happened with Rousey? What, that's
3: her name, right? Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey. So she came on the scene and just knocked everyone out in like 17 seconds and 33 seconds in a minute. And then all of a sudden, what happened? People, well, I think
4: people got hit to what she... Didn't, she didn't knock them out. She submitted them. She, okay. She's a world-class judo player. She's a very physical athlete, <clears throat> especially for that weight class. She had the unique ability to be able to get her hands on just about all of her opponents and get them to the mat, and she was very, very good at submitting them. So then what happened? She got steered, uh, in my opinion, and again, this is just my opinion, but I I feel like she got steered uh, in in a poor direction by by her coaching and and her team. She started to develop confidence, or maybe overconfidence, in her ability to strike. And if you look at the fight before she fought Holly Holm, she fought a very good grappler. She ended up uh, catching the girl with, with a nice punching combination and knock the girl out where they're striking. For, fast forward to the next fight, fighting a world-class boxer, boxer and kickboxer yeah. like yeah. Holly Holm, and I think she had this false sense of, of her ability and security in her ability to strike, and she tried to strike with a world-class striker. Wow. And that didn't go so well. And, I think if the- she had a game plan where she trained to get her hands on Holly Holm and make Holly Holm grapple her and wrestle her; it would have been a different
1: outcome. And I think Holly had like massive reach too on her and everything. Right? If I remember right, Randy. Very, uh,
4: very long. Yeah. Uh, very good footwork. Hard yeah. to get a handle on. was a really nice long jab. Is a very good kicker. And ultimately, it was the kick that that finished the fight. And, and then, in my opinion, uh, the company didn't take very good care of Ronda, even though she was their biggest star at that time. They they put her. As devastating as that loss was, they put it right back in there against another very, very good striker. And this is important. This is important. A a recipe for disaster.
3: Yeah, this is important. Who who you surround yourself with, and this goes back to original the the sport of America, which was boxing. When you look at teams and and a good group of people around, the Mike Tyson being the most famous example of when when Cus D'Amato was running the show with him he was a champion and everyone was frightened of him when cuss died and he went into some other team is, and, and you know, and then that's where it all starts to fall apart almost immediately. As soon as good people are not around the boxer or the fighter. And that I imagine
4: that happens in, in UFC for sure. Right. I think the people can get, can be led astray. I think you need, you need a coach and a team that's going to be honest. that's going to be real with you, uh, be able to tactfully tell you what your strengths and weaknesses are and, and force you to work on those things you need to work on you don 't want a bunch of sunshine folks that are just going to tell you exactly what you want to hear and, and well, do you uh, think
3: it's even that or force this, you to get better well there's also when you look at historically it 's all about branding now I, you know i 'm so sad for kids everything's a brand The ball kids are a brand before they even graduate from high school they 're a brand. You know what I mean? And so so when you look at Pacquiao or Mayweather they they become these brands. Where where what about the boxing? You know what I mean? The boxing is almost like a secondary thing to the brand. What do you think about brands because UFC has been a huge brand and they have the UFC
4: gyms all over the world now. What what it became a well, brand. It, it became a brand. UFC is, the UFC is probably the largest well, the largest promotion in the sport of mixed martial arts. It's certainly become very corporate.
3: They have the you know, gyms, right? they their
4: athletes to wear uniforms and all of those things, are, are, I think, have changed the sport a bit. Uh, where, you know, when I started competing, there was seven, eight, or nine shows in a year, maybe one a month if you're lucky. Now there's a, literally a show from one promotion or another every single weekend. And, and and I think you touched on something with boxing. I think the difference is it's not so much that these guys are a brand, but they become more concerned about Winning or losing, and doing what they need to do to secure a victory, instead of going out there and putting it on the line. And I think that's why a lot of fans with boxing anyway are, are a little dismayed. They don't like some of the decisions. They they don't like the way a lot of these guys fight. We're seeing a little influx now with guys like Canelo and some of these other guys, Triple G and uh, Kovalev, that Andre Ward that, that really get after it, likening themselves to those old school days of Thomas Hearns, Hagler you know Ali Frazier Foreman those guys when somebody was set up to fight in those days you knew somebody was getting knocked on their butt and they were going to get after it there was none of this doing what you needed to do win 12 rounds
3: yeah, it was exciting
4: and you knew you were never sure who or what was going to happen and, and but, that that I think is what the fans want to see i think that's why they've taken to mma as much as they have there's so many ways to win or lose a foot fight it's a very volatile sport mixed martial arts and those style matchups can really make a big difference and mixed martial artists at least in my opinion in this day and age are still putting it on the line they're getting after it they're taking risks and they're trying
1: to win fights for the most part i've been in radio so long i've interviewed some of these guys over the years and i, I was there at the beginning of all this right yeah. and uh, interviewed tank abbott. <laughs> <Who's> <laughs>
2: tank,
1: <laughs> tank abbott well back in the very early days it was just a bunch of guys who were huge like big like Fletcher from Pennywise. He would have been a good MMA fighter back then who wanted to be violent. And I read of your tank and I go, no, no, dude, you're, you know, you're just, he goes, he looks at me and he goes, no, man, I'm a bad dude. I'm bad. I'm not a good guy. I'm awful. And then he smiled at me with all his teeth missing. And I thought, whoa, this is going to be an interesting sport. And and then it went. Then it sort of evolved quickly, very quickly. Moved out of that to into something more skilled. And then a lot of steroids came in. A lot of like and guys were sort of roiding out and stimulating out and you know, opiating out and stuff. We yeah. saw some guys killing themselves and things. Remember that whole phase, Randy? Well,
4: I know we started testing in two thousand. The yeah. sport really started in, in ninety three in the U S. And you know there are still some promotions. Abroad that that aren't governed by Japan. sanctioning bodies and and uh, athletic
1: commissions. J- Japan, are, Japan the, encourages it, right? They encourage the, that that whole. I forget what that sport's called, but they encourage as the, much chemical alterations. Is. Yes, <laughs> right. They
4: certainly don't uh, don't discourage it. it at yeah. all. Yeah. They're not dissuading anybody. From yeah.
3: it. So what's it like afterwards? So these kids come up for eight or ten years, right? Guys, twenty four, twenty six, mm-hmm. twenty eight, twenty. Now you got this transition how do you shut it off because one of the things i i f- thought was different than boxing was going to happen in this sport was everybody's going to be a badass if you're walking down the street with your wife and and
4: because it's so you understand what i'm saying it's no. so street it's so not anymore well it's not i don't i don't look at it as street fighting on the street is a different thing completely. but do people this challenge is a very but actual, do people the sport I, I think if you look at the athletes that we have in our sport, the majority of them are college-educated guys that came yeah. from a specific combative sports or martial arts background. Yeah. And this is their chance to be a professional athlete. Yeah. I know. I'm just saying – I'm not saying that the fighters
3: are that way. I'm talking about the public. When you're in a club in Las Vegas and you're drunk, uh, the, the, somebody's drunk, and they start slinging at you. You know what at I mean? At him or just at, at, at one, one of the fighters?
1: One. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah.
3: What is that response? Is there? Has, does that stuff happen? I figured it did, and I always wondered. No,
1: they wouldn't. It, it,
4: uh, it. It's a very. I've, I've heard very few stories about things like that.
1: They can't afford. I'm not very saying they would walk, fight them, okay. but
2: on
3: I'm. Their yeah. I'm saying the and, public. And, yeah, the public with a chip yeah, on his yeah, shoulder so. thinks he's a badass. Tank the tank of yeah, nowadays you know that, that, is drunk in a look, bar and a and look, a MMA fighters. There. Arnold
1: Schwarzenegger gets that crap. I mean, anybody that uh, is big gets that crap. It's a way. Arnold had to have bodyguards because that was his biggest problem. People coming up trying to fight him drunk. <laughs> Back when he was you know, bodybuilder and stuff, that that was his thing. Yeah, so I'm sure Drug, that...
4: d- drunk people do a lot of stupid. Yeah, right. For <laughs> <I'm> sure.
1: <laughs> um I, I had a note here uh, I'm interested in about your current health care, current uh what do we call it? Protocol. Oh, we have to take a break. All right, I'm gonna talk about your current uh, health protocol when we get back. We'll be right back after this. <laughs> A couple months ago, I introduced you to RefillWise. It's a prescription-saving card you can get right now on your phone for free, and I was thrilled to hear many of you did so. You signed up, and that some of you have saved as much as $150 at every pharmacy visit. We heard these stories, and we appreciate them. Now, if you already have your RefillWise card on your phone, remember, you can't save unless you use it. You've got to use the card on your phone. Just open the message, show it to your pharmacist. Next time you get a prescription filled, it is as easy as that. Just say, what can you do with this? Because it... You know they'll give you. They'll decide for you what's the least expensive alternative. If you haven't done it yet, grab your phone and text Drew to the number two two eight two two. Immediately, your Refill Wise card will be sent to your screen. It's really fast. Just that's the word Drew D-R-W, to a number two two eight two two. And if you have an insurance, you might actually save more with the Refill Wise card. And if you don't need the card today, chances are you know someone who's struggling with the high cost of medication, aren't we all now? Help them out by telling them about the RefillWise card. We appreciate that. Also excited to say that for every RefillWise user, every new user, they will donate a dollar to the Prostate Cancer Foundation. That is a charity that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, and I, I want you to learn more about RefillWise. You can see if your medication could be covered. Just visit RefillWise.com. But just go ahead. Just Let's do it now. Start saving right now. Text DREW, that is DREW, to the number 22822. Message and data rates may apply. Refill wise. Okay, we're back. Uh, Randy, you're an advocate for testosterone replacement, and I kind of am too, uh, believe it or not. Uh, And do you have any Um, thoughts about that?
4: Well, obviously there was a loophole for a little while in the sport of mixed martial arts. It's not something I ever did. Uh, I, I did... Have my hormone levels checked on a regular basis. We put our bodies under a lot of stress through the training process. And certainly as an older athlete, uh, your, your body's ability to produce testosterone becomes an issue. Yeah, um, legitimate. Certainly when I you're mean. trying to perform at a high level, maintain a lean body and and, and conditioning and all those things. I chose not to do TRT. Mm-hmm. Um, I chose to use... Uh, natural means to boost my body's own production of testosterone, but it's something you have you to be very. Yeah, we're, we're, aware both, of we're
1: both very interested
4: very in that. How you do you do that, Randy? Help us. You got a big we're both very How interested. How do you do that naturally? Because I need that. We're both very interested are, in there that. There are herbs and precursors to testosterone without injecting testosterone into your body that force your own gonads to to pr- produce more testosterone.
1: So it's, it's uh, what's the mushroom? Uh, it starts with the B. Uh to t- t- uh, t- uh tribulus tribulus. tribulus. T- I started Tribulus. I took Tribulus for
4: Tribulus. There's a, there's a lot of different things. I took Tribulus that- for three
1: months, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer and <laughs> you, on the heels of that. So I've always been worried about that one being an issue. Uh, but <laughs> That's be that a as a horrible it may, disclaimer. Be that as it may. Uh,
4: <laughs> I, I I've been I've been taking Tribulus for a shoot. Well, probably over ten years, and I haven't had any issues. Okay, so. there you go.
3: So there's the balance, the yin and the
1: yang. Of well, it. We don't know is the bottom line, but it, it does do it does work. I know that for a fact. Do you take DHEA or something like that also, or what are you doing? DHEA
4: is also one of those precursors yeah. to t- testosterone that kind of jumpstart your body's own production. How, m- how much do you take? The m- what's
1: the recommended dose of that? That's sort of a uh, folklore. What do you say? I, I think I, between
4: three and ten milligrams. It's pretty small. That's very small.
1: Because it comes in twenty-five fifties and hundreds. Well, I've never seen them that big.
4: Yeah, I think I'm looking at a maybe it's ten milligram. Maybe tablet. you're
1: maybe you're on DHEAS. Is that? Uh, I'm not sure the difference. Yeah, it's just a different stage in the congeners. That's all different. The sulfate. And this is just to all feel
3: alive and vitalized.
1: Well, you know, it, it, I do. We're all living so long. I think it's a legitimate. Uh, thing to try to you know if our thyroid goes out we take thyroid replacement if women their ovaries go out they take hormone I mean it's a it has risks and benefits but it's a legitimate treatment for the way we live our lives now and yeah, uh, absolutely yeah we, and you know, uh, we,
4: people have been aware of menopause for years and years and and the downside to that and and using hormone replacement therapy and a lot of those things for women but it's not something you ever really thought about for men and then it's just been in recent years some of these anti-aging clinics and some of the other things that we kind of gotten used to this idea that there's a menopause as well as a menopause and uh, guys have some of those same similar issues with their hormones.
3: Yeah, men's health is not that big a priority in, in the world health order. I was a part of that Movember thing, right? Just to get people to get the prostate checks. Like, Listen, you know, my friend, I'm men with the- are just the fault. You know, Randy, there's a new thing. That is starting to come up in American culture called despair death. Men, white men, particularly in their 50s, dying of despair death, which is accidental drug overdose, alcoholism-related diseases, suicide. suicide. And I just always think men need to talk more. Openly and honestly, and they just don't. We're kind of too. We're marginalized.
1: We're marginalized too. We're marginalized. We we don't like feeling powerless, and the the powerlessness, the marginalization. I
4: just love that he's talking about testosterone. I think that's amazing. Our society fashions us to to believe that weakness and vulnerability are bad things that we're not supposed to show those things. And I mean, it's the first thing you look in, and when you look at somebody else, and the last thing you want anybody to see when they when you look when you have them look at you and. I think that's something that's in, it's ingrained in our society. The same with the, the crazy standards that we've applied to women and what's beauty and what's beautiful. I yeah. mean, it, it's the other side of that. Same coin. How do we
1: teach
3: our kids different values when society has these? I've been trying to teach my kids different values. But then they come up in culture to these these stereotypical values. And I
1: I would urge us all not to sort of think about society as something other than us. We are society. But when
4: you tell your kid. I I don't know what else society means. We we are We are
1: it. Yeah. Go ahead well, ahead
3: well, when you tell your kid you don't need to worry about this thing, you're just a, a kid going to school, and that's your job and the family, and they're and they're being frightened by
4: media and frightened by their peers.
3: Yeah. That type when, of I stuff. About,
4: when I talk about when I think of society, I'm thinking of, look at the TV commercials, look at the magazine ads, yes. look at all, all yes. of these things that 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 we're in, inundated with from the time we're a little kid watching television. It skews our perspective in a particular way. There's it it, it a... does,
1: and you can't avoid a lot of it, but ultimately the primary unit of insulation and of transmission of cultural information is the family. So you keep on them. You know, you stay unified, you stay on them, you stay with them, you stay stable, you stay connected, and, and that will help. It may not, may not keep it all out, of course, but it, it really is your the buffer. It's the it's the. Is it proper to say to other
3: friends? Here's here's the thing. So with me and Elvis, I have a six year old Randy, and he's just video game conscious, right? I don't like video games. I try to keep him away from it, but there are some that I find, you know, are productive. Minecraft. He has to create things. He has to kind of think, but there's these ads that come up in the xbox yeah. for these horrible <laughs> you know
1: kind of videos horrible it's gonna be his favorite thing in about four <laughs> yes, years what i'm
3: saying is as soon as they see that they want that they want call of duty he wants to know what's call of duty you know what i mean and that's for grown-up yeah, kids
4: that's a difficult thing i have a 14 year old who who loves video gaming and yeah. the whole video gaming culture and it's not you know I grew up when Pong came out and that was <laughs> as exciting as it got.
0: And now
4: the stuff, the graphics and all the things in these games are so amazing. But at the same time, they're so consuming. Mm-hmm. They you really can are consuming. Sit there for hours on end and play those games if you let them. And, and it, I just, I don't know how engaging and, and healthy that is. Yeah. Well, you know what I found is a great
3: tool. There's a box in our house behind the T V that's the Wi Fi box. I just go and pull the electrical plug out.
1: Of Trust it. me, he will figure that out. <laughs> he he will and he'll 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 huh? wire house with some special stuff. He'll be climbing up the telephone pole and <laughs> tapping in. Back. Yeah tapping into something. It's
3: crazy how addictive that stuff is. Yeah. yeah and pretty intense. So well, what do you think? You really think? Gosh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to go to this Mayweather uh, McGregor
4: fight. Now i I think, think it's gonna be one of those crazy fights. I think there's gonna be a ton of hype. Obviously, both those guys are very adept at hyping a fight, at running their mouths to the point where you kind of want to see one of them get knocked on their ass. Frankly, yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's gonna uh, honestly, tactically, if I, if I evaluate the fight as much as I like Conor McGregor and and, and the way he competes. He's stepping into a boxing ring for a boxing match with one of the best boxers, a guy that's undefeated in in his career, and he's never had a professional boxing match. This is not MMA. It's not the same thing. They're apples and oranges. Wow. Now, he's got got a couple things going for him. He's long and rangy for that weight class, and he's unorthodox. He's not going to throw punches like every other boxer that Floyd Mayweather has, has faced. I think that gives him... A slight chance in catching Floyd with something. But well, going, Floyd is one of the most elusive and defensive fighters that we've seen in in, in this generation of boxers. So, but going back to counter- your point about
3: Mayweather and the dancing that's been going on for fifteen years in boxing, Mayweather can't really have a concrete plan for McGregor because he doesn't know what's going to happen, does he? Or can he? I, no, can I he, think
4: it makes it more difficult. To, yeah, Floyd's the one that's got got the pressure and, and everything to lose in this fight. McGregor, I, I don't think is under a lot of expectation and really has no pressure. Uh, he's the chance to go out and make more money in this boxing match than he would have made in his entire career as a mixed martial artist, and that's a whole other story that we can talk about. But uh, you know, I, I think uh, it, it's going to be interesting. There's going to be a ton of hype. I hope it's not boring. That's my that's concern. that's my fear
3: is that it's going to be boring. In a it's going to be like
4: Pacquiao Mayweather that was that's you know, that so much hype and and. Fanfare, and then it turned out to really kind of
1: be a dud. Susan, anything on Facebook Live for us? Any questions. One of the things it's I want to hold on. She's smiling. Is there...
3: <laughs> No, I... she's just reading people.
2: I, I think you need to. I think you need to like uh, tell them that you're taking questions. I I haven't really. Okay, I will just. I'll we'll take uh, some questions on Facebook Live. But I've to, got one for Randy. Uh,
1: okay, real quick. I also want to remind them about the heal.com. Again, go get the app. Go go to healcom dot You get a physician in your house within two hours. Board certified. We can select to these people. $99 all in or insurance plus copay. That's it. And you get in, within two hours, you don't pay for all the infrastructure and personnel and the emergency room. You don't need any of that. You need somebody in your house, especially if you have kids or elderly parents. They'll check it out, Heal.com. Well, so
3: I, I got this question. My thought is Mayweather hasn't knocked somebody out in a while, right? So he's older. Can't McGregor take any punch somebody that Mayweather can hit him in the head with? Can't he keep on his feet, don't you think, Randy?
4: Oh, I don't think McGregor's going to get knocked out. Oh, okay. I just don't think he's going to win. Okay, okay, okay. He's going to Mayweather get. He's gonna get I, Mayweather's not a knockout guy. He's not going to go out and put it on the line and take that risk and, and get in McGregor's face and try to knock him out. He's going to hit him. He's going to stick and move and be elusive and score and win the rounds, which which is, again, my fear. That That's going to be
1: boring.
3: That's uh, going to be
4: boring.
1: But Mayweather's on the record so saying he didn't care. He, he doesn't wants, care, he just wants the money. It care. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, was yeah, to I win. Mean, he was about the yeah. money with Floyd. Yeah,
4: um, that's that's kind of his persona. So yeah. I was. I wanted to tell you this other thing. So I go to a lot
3: of boxing matches in Las Vegas. I used to work out there in the courts, and I have a connection. So, so I went to the Bradley Pacquiao fight where Pacquiao beat his ass for ten out of twelve rounds, and they called it for Bradley. It was the craziest thing I ever saw in my wow. life. I yeah, had, I watched that fight. I agree. With that you. was I, I crazy. Was I was true. in the
1: arena. Wow. Like. That is Vegas, York. baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Randy, where where do you live now?
4: I live in Las Vegas. Oh, there oh. you
1: go. And and I've are... been
4: there twelve been there twelve years. I grew up in Seattle. I lived in Oregon for a very long time. And then about twelve years ago, I moved from Oregon to Las Vegas and I've been in Vegas ever since.
1: Tell us something that people aren't likely to know about you. Uh I have a degree in
4: foreign language and literature. I majored in wow. German and I've been writing Prose and poems since I was in college in the eighties,
1: and, and the literature was German literature, or was it literature? And I was liter-
4: I was a foreign language and literature, uh, but I specialized in German, so I did have a focus on more of the German authors: Goethe and Schilling and and uh, Kafka and, and those those guys. And but D- I did. It was a arts and science degree with a lot of focus on all of the literature: Dostoevsky, Tolstoy, all of them. Where'd so you go to school? Oklahoma State. Very interesting. There you go. So,
2: well, what's your Renaissance man. They your... don't make men, men like this anymore. I'm just thinking. Your wh- uncle Norm says to give that you. He's sending hugs. By uncle the way.
4: Norm sending hugs. The <laughs> uh, Norm. That's uh, that's Ryan's uncle, uh, my son's uncle, and wow. they, he lives in Seattle, where I grew up.
1: Fantastic. And uh, did you get to philosophers Schleimacher and uh, Nietzsche and all these guys in German too, or is that? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. That's. A, I always thought reading Kant in German would be the most unpleasant experience because <laughs> it's hard enough in English. <laughs> uh,
4: it is a, a crazy difficult language. I, I lived there when I was in Germany wow. uh, in the Army for three years, which created the interest. After my six years in the Army, I, I got a college scholarship to wrestle at Oklahoma State. and When I showed up there as a freshman at 25 years old, I wasn't sure what I wanted to study, so I, I started taking foreign language classes because I suffered from... That language barrier when I lived there for three years.
1: What's your favorite Dostoevsky novel?
4: Oh man. Uh, well, my my favorite novel is Cervantes.
1: Oh Don Quixote. Um, Don
4: have you, read, Quixote. Have you ever read Don
1: Quixote? Yeah, yeah. It's it's like reading a cartoon. I was so surprised how slapstick it was. I was yeah, really surprised. It's surprised. Yeah. It was funny. It's awesome. Yeah. That's it's why funny. Monty Python loved it so much. Yes, yes. I, I was I was shocked and. And uh, and then and I didn't you know it's in two books right and they, they they brought it back it's like it's like it was so popular they had to go on and do it again and uh, wow I was shocked when I read that I book. am a sick man I am a bad man <laughs> and I'm an ill man Dostoevsky
3: so, that's a great way to open a novel huh oh yeah. <laughs> so so you obviously around millennials we talk a lot about millennials on this show Randy and and there's you know not to Generalized, but there seems to be they are a generation like no other, is what I I say. And there's a, a lot of a, a lot of good self esteem for apparently no reason <laughs> like, in, a, in a, a large swath of them. I wondered if you deal with millennials, they must be fans of yours. What what have you noticed about millennials? It's so different than baby boomers or Gen X or or.
4: Well, I think we we don't get a lot of of that type of attitude uh, in the sport of mixed martial arts. I run a a training center and and a school for mixed martial artists uh, because individual combative sports, in my opinion, build more character than just about any athletic endeavor out there because of the individuality of it and the sheer vulnerability of it. Uh, And I think I don't know a single one that hasn't had their ass kicked at one time or another. That's what I I keep saying needs to happen to these kids. uh, this whole giving a medal to everybody that competes has kind of created this sense of, which, like you say, false uh, bravado. Um, I think we as humans, there are a few things we have to have. Obviously, we need this eat, breathe, sleep, and I think love. Yeah. And to that, I would add struggle. I think we need struggles. We, we need to have those challenges to overcome. Randy, character, I, Randy, makes I, us Randy, I've been championing.
1: I, I found myself late lately championing ordinary misery. <laughs> that learning to tolerate, deal, tolerate, tolerate, deal manage ordinary misery, and perhaps as you're even saying, give yourself add some misery and try to overcome it. Add some challenges and see. Well, what I just don't think there's
4: it. any way to escape it. It's part of life. Yeah. If no one escapes pain, fear, some some form of misery. And yeah. if we try to shelter the, these. Kids from from what life really is all about, then then we're not really preparing them to go out and deal with it. That's we, right. We, uh,
3: didn't, we yeah. didn't. We didn't. We didn't. And and so the question is, when do you introduce it? And and see, I always it,
1: thought you could do it through uh, sports and academics because that's kind of miserable. <laughs> they, can, they can be miserable for kids that are struggling. Or persevere no man. but the parents
3: become the advocates for how unjust the school system is Oh no, is. no, 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 no.
1: <laughs> that's what no. <laughs> that's what happens That's a split it, that's splitting. A splitting that's splitting behavior no, you know
4: no. well I, I absolutely believe that athletics is that, that's why athletics are so important for our kids they teach us about winning and losing they teach us about overcoming about getting out of something exactly what you put into it
3: becoming think good you can at i say something. the same
4: thing about academics if that's where your passion is Maybe you're not as athletically inclined, but there's something else, whether it be playing the cello or something else
1: yeah, academic yep.
4: oriented. Then, then that, and that's where your passion is. That still takes work. You're still going to fail from time to we time. It's still going to be a struggle.
1: And it's interesting, you know, people that are that work out regularly, that have athletic, you know, prowess, military, you know, challenges also seem magically be able to do well academically and in business and blah, 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 blah. you know it it translates in every sphere of life you know you can use those skills everywhere and it's a crazy thing so you're out there you, are you in summerlin or are you in real vegas
3: <laughs> i'm in uh, southern highlands southern Southwest. highlands there you go that's yeah. what, i lived in the in the one las vegas there on south las vegas boulevard that double tall building okay yeah, yeah, on Blue Diamond Highway and, and Las sure. Vegas Boulevard. I lived there for years. I love Vegas. And I kept telling Drew, there's a Las Vegas you have no idea. It's the most beautiful parks, the best schools. It's the best everything. Yeah. Because of all the tax revenue that comes from the gambling, oh, it's the greatest community in the world if you don't go to the strip.
1: Right, right. You know yeah. what I mean?
4: Everybody equates it with the strip and the craziness and yeah. the crazy weekend on the strip. And yeah. There's a whole other world to Vegas. I, I love when... Family or friends come to visit, and we don't take them down there. We go out to Red Valley Rock, Fire, Red to, Rock. Good, to Good Springs, to the Pioneer Saloon, or you know, somewhere out in the desert to go shoot, or you know, I mean, there's just so many other things to do. Red Rock is so beautiful. They just found I love some it. 90
3: yeah. million year old bones up in this canyon, Whoa, right west nice. of uh, west
1: of Vegas. Well, Randy, thank you for joining us. We have to kind of wrap things up. Any, any Facebook uh, questions? Well, we're or...
2: gonna we're gonna take some. So why don't you tell everybody that to hang on? And All right, we're, we're gonna take some questions. All right, and
1: this. then we'll let Randy go. Randy, such an
4: honor to meet you,
1: Randy. Yeah, is there a website or any place else you like people to go? Uh,
4: you can find me at
1: ExtremeCoutureMMA.com
4: uh, or ExtremeCoutureClothing.com. dot uh, com, and I'm at, on Facebook is uh, Randy the Natural are XC Natch on
1: Instagram and Randy underscore Couture on Twitter. There you go, Randy. Thank you so much. Uh, we will uh, be back with uh, your Facebook questions and the great Randy Couture, everybody. Do, 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 do. Thanks, Randy. Thank you, man. You bet. Thank you. So when you're sick, the last thing you want to do is get dressed and drive to a doctor's office or an urgent care. Listen, you can get a licensed, highly trained. Board certified physician right in your home or office on demand, on your schedule, without exposing yourself to anybody else sick or waiting. That is exactly what you get with Heal. Heal is a mobile app that puts the power of on demand medical care at your fingertips. Simply sign up at heal.com, download the app, and you will get a top notch board certified physician when and where you need it. Within two hours, Heal doctors are on call seven days a week, 365 days a year, in a growing number of locations, including Los Angeles, Orange County, San Diego, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., and Northern Virginia. And Heal accepts most major insurance plans, so you'll be responsible for just your copay with most insurances. And it is otherwise ninety-nine dollars all in without insurance. I serve on the HEAL Advisory Board because I believe this is the future of medicine. I cannot say enough about the quality of care available through Heal, and I urge you to check it out today. For more information, visit Heal.com slash Drew. That is Heal.com slash Drew.
3: Okay, Drew, get off your phone. We're going to talk about Carrie Fisher. All right, let's do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, Yeah, so we had speculated. I said, get off your phone. <laughs> so we had speculated. Sorry, I thought I was. We
3: speculated and we were shockingly wrong, though we were right.
1: Yeah, we were, we were wrong because there wasn't fentanyl or Xanax, which we would normally anticipate.
3: But when I saw, I got forwarded the, the uh, autopsy and I saw heroin on there, yeah. I was like, oh my god. It, two things happened. The, we Carrie, be- I, the Carrie I loved... I had junky respect for <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. It's so sick. But I was just like, that takes guts and a set of you know what so, that so in other I words, don't know that I have.
1: So, in other words, to go all the to way go to go all the way back. Yeah. She Now, what do you speculate happened? I, I speculate
3: I think... she got upset over three years ago over this lawsuit she was in. Yeah. She went to a doctor. Yeah. doctor headache, sleeping, back pain. Sleeping, sleeping. Yeah. Couldn't sleep. Worried about this lawsuit. Yeah. Then... Came a second go round, which was the horrible, hideous stuff on the internet about her appearance in Star Wars about oh. a year ago. Oh, you really? You didn't know about this? No. She was crying.
1: Because people called She's her like
3: old and Oh, bad and, oh. oh just the most. And my whole thing, I learned this in 2007 in Celebrity Rehab. Don't read the internet. If you're on television, yeah. don't read it. No, that's right. Because there's such gross, mean-spirited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she did a big thing in Vanity Fair to try to counter how emotionally she was affected by yeah. this horrible, horrible shit.
1: So that may have been where she got headaches and back pain and then went to a doctor for that. And then off we go. Yep. And then eventually it goes to heroin. Once, now she once was in the clutches of Beverly Hills doctors. So we expected that she would have died of prescription medication. Yes. So we still speculate that it got going with prescription. Yeah. Medication. For almost, sure. unda- almost undoubtedly. Yeah. Right?
3: And, and dealing with not just what we call life's everyday misery. Yeah. But real the debi- you know horrible stuff horrible, horrible stuff. horrible stuff. Yeah. Right. And, and getting is a horrible, stressful situation. Yeah. Being attacked for no reason, for being 60 years old. Yeah. It's, it's just, people sense. are so ill. Yeah. They're just so ill. Yes. And I know she was profoundly affected by the negative response from Star Wars.
1: Oh. And I'm, I she's such a delightful person. She's I mean, the greatest. She's, yeah. I'm, I'm, it's painful to hear this. Funny self-effacing. And, and
3: her, but this is another thing. Tough broads like her, yeah, which yeah. I would say tough broad, oh, yeah.
1: underneath soft. Oh, Yeah. Right and, and her dying of addiction doesn't change or diminish any doesn't of that. Take any of it away. Uh, but the, this there's, there's a couple things we weeds things we need to get into. She was over in the United Kingdom doing the Catastrophe Show. You need to see it. She's great in it. It's a great movie, oh, great really? series on, on Amazon. It's a great series, and she plays a alcoholic mom, you know, oh, <laughs> a recovering good. mom of an alcoholic, and it's it's the story of a struggle, uh, and. I'm suspicious that maybe she got going over there, ran out of pills or whatever, and that's probably the ecstasy kicked in. Oh yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Because it's a different culture over there. We're like, oh, honey, the ecstasy makes no sense at all. In England, in England, it makes sense. It does. Oh, there's shitloads of it. Really? Excuse me. (laughs) Sorry, Facebook. (laughs) They do a lot of it, uh, and, and, uh, and especially you know London and that area. So it, it, I think that may, whoever was probably getting her the heroin was probably also honey, a little bit of this. A yeah, lot of, that's where you know, a,
3: lot of, a lot of my sober friends have been like, how, where would she ever know where to get heroin? I oh. say, well, there's two sides of the world. There's the non-heroin side of the world, and then there's the heroin side of the world, and, and Let the, me tell you about the people that. you buy Xanax from know where to get
1: heroin. Let me tell you a heroin London story. Did you ever know uh, Alex? Or, or did you ever, before, Alex gone before you got there? Or we had a counselor named Alex. She was a Eastern European. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember Alex? Before I worked there, but yeah. I knew her. Okay. I knew her. She, when she was trying to get sober from heroin, detoxed and then went to go find her roots. That was the problem. She had to go back to Eastern Europe and find her roots. Then she wouldn't use heroin anymore. That was, she decided. Oh, that. yeah. So she had a layover in London. And she was going to be in London for like six hours. She went, so she went from Heathrow to go to the National Gallery. And she said she hadn't been in London two hours before she was slamming heroin with the security guard of the At- main <laughs> gallery in the National Gallery of London. And I thought, oh, that's the best heroin story ever. How do you know to walk up to a guy with a baton in a, in a, in a, and a hat and a uniform and go, hey, man, are you ready to slam? Let's go. Come <laughs> what, to the bathroom with happening? me. What's happening? Yeah. And heroin addicts. See it. They know other heroin acts. They just know it. I see it now at Walgreens. Oh boy. See, I don't. Oh Jesus. Okay, you're not. Go ahead.
2: Somebody asked a question: Could the ecstasy have been cut with the other stuff?
1: No, no. but no. The question, but the heroin could have had stuff in it, like the methadone and the demerol. Well, other go,
3: the methadone yeah. was a derivative; it's a breakdown of maybe, a prescription medication. M-
1: maybe, but what we it, the point is, and the and the the coroner's report was one of the best toxicology reports I've ever seen. Uh, it was you know in terms of tr- it wasn't forensic, but it was a nice thorough discussion. How many drugs are really in your system? Seven. Uh, It's hard to know. Three three antidepressants, cocaine, alcohol. Three antidepressants. She had Abilify, fluoxetine, Lamictal, which was appropriate. She's bipolar. She had cocaine alcohol, which is you know, she had MDMA and then she had several different opiates and it 's hard to know which is a congener, which was a contaminant, what was what you know so, again europe we we know what people are getting over here they don't know what we're getting so over what we there. want
3: to say to the sober community is listen if you 're old you 're going to have back pain if you're if you're under attack or du- or du- duress or there's life things coming up, w- reach out to your friends sober friends. don 't go uh, to a doctor.
1: Every, they, every they're interaction, not gonna, They're with, not going to treat you right. Ev- the physicians like me don't understand addiction. they were really not trained in it. I only happen to know it because I was just in it for years and years working with it. Most doctors don't have that. I didn't understand it when I got into it. I didn't understand it at all. It took me five years to really get decent at it. Decent, not good. It took me another years to So if somebody to get ca-
3: came to you in your first couple of years
1: of practice, being a licensed doctor and said, I can't sleep, you would just say, oh. Yeah, ambient, boom. And, and maybe <laughs> and you seem a little anxious to me or some Xanax. And I said, oh, by the way, some Zoloff probably. But, you know, you're just you're just trained that way, and you don't really know how to assess and and suss out what you're exactly doing as an internist, as a psychiatrist. They kind of are, but as as a friendly as a general practitioner, you're really not. You're not really skilled at sussing it out. And even those that have an interest and are skilled at it really don't, like the cardiologist that gave Ativan to Chris Cornell, I'm sure in his mind, he was like, no, 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 he, he never abused it. I gave him the same supply every month for two milligrams a night of Ativan. No big deal. I mean, he, he kept the, he, for for years he was on the stable dose doing fine. Not understanding that the disease of addiction the entire time is activated and the thinking and the obfuscation and the BSing all gets going and they slide into their disease even though they're not escalating the drug you're prescribing, that's what doctors just can't get through their head. The average doctor, you know. Well, son.
3: no, you just get another doctor, and then you get double.
1: Well, now it's now it's now it's on the addict. At a certain point, it, they do have, addicts do have a responsibility in this as well. But but I want to say something else that that the press is reporting that Carrie Fisher died of a um, sleep apnea related thing. Yeah, I don't get now, that. Well, let me explain it to you. The the medical examiners and the coroners are held to specific legal standards where they have to be able to have a a, a chain of causation to the cause of death, and they couldn't make that. For instance. She had cocaine in her system, but she didn't have coke ethylene, which is alcohol and cocaine together. Coke is cardiotoxic and causes arrhythmias. If she'd had some coke in, they would have gone, ooh, probably this is an arrhythmia, but maybe she did, and maybe it wasn't the opiates. You can't prove it was the opiates. You and I know it was the opiates. We More know clinically, in general, in we general. know clinically, she took a bunch of opiates, she stopped breathing. The sleep apnea was sort of like kindling, and the the opiates were like a fi- uh, the gasoline, and it made it easier to stop her breathing because of the sleep apnea. But the opiates made her stop breathing. That That's it here.
3: Why can't it say... You know, like I think her daughter said in one of the statements. That daughter was spot she, on. Yeah, she was great. She, she was, was like, my mom died on. of addiction. Period. And, and mental because health, and you, and you shouldn't be ashamed
1: of that. Clinicians can say that, the medical examiners can't, because it's a legal document they're creating. It's a legal standard. It's a whole set of standards that are different than what you and I think of as an assessment of a clinical situation. Now, sometimes they screw it up because of that. Like, like, like for instance, one of the things about Carrie's death, if you look at the report, she died of natural causes. I know. Well, they say yeah. that about everybody. Right. Because an, op- because an opiate overdose is considered a natural cause.
3: No. Yes. Really? Yeah. It's not an unnatural event no, in the I, environment? I, I, no, I know. My friend Chris Whitley it was this blues guitar player singer, and I saw his obituary in the paper and it said natural causes. Yeah. I was like, he's 44 years old or something. How can it be natural yeah, that's causes? A, that's a legal. Just natural. That's a you die. medical
1: examiner's legal standard. My, Nicole and Jemmy explained that to me on weekly infusion. I didn't understand that because I was t- I was going off about George Michaels. I'm like, no, he had cardiomyopathy. Oh, yeah, he was natural causes. Di- yeah, too. He had advanced liver disease from alcohol. He had fatty advanced liver disease. He had a cardiomyopathy, and he had substances. It's like Jesus. It's all related to substances, natural causes, because there was no medical issue at the time of death. So what
3: the, what they need is cancer. Yes, heart uh, disease. Stroke. Stroke. Yes, they right. need that.
1: They need a medical diagnosis that leads to demise. To be not natural causes, essentially. I mean, that's how I understand. I'm not, but the point is, they have all kinds of different weird legal standards that I don't understand that are bizarre and not clinically relevant. So she died of an opiate addiction. You have something she else?
3: She will be missed.
1: Oh my god, sir! It's a, it's a well, I, tragic story. What's up?
2: I have a couple of marijuana questions. Okay. Um, do do do. <laughs> Dr. Dew, Mar- would you recommend marijuana as a remedy for anxiety and high stress for a person oh without God. health insurance coverage? Okay, that's one. And it's then the other one is, um, what are your thoughts on marijuana use with bipolar PTSD anxiety? Bad, bad idea, bad idea. Instead <laughs> that, on that, that guy, prescribed.
1: That guy can say it's a bad idea. There's not evidence that that would work. For might, anxiety, C-
3: anytime, it's a bad idea. Yeah, CBD
1: itself may have some utility with other things, but as a primary treatment. No, 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 no. The first guy, though, asked an interesting question, which was... I, I don't have access to health care. I have access to cannabis. I have panic attacks. And would the and I'm not an addict. I'm going to assume. I'm going to to superimpose that.
2: Benefit of the doubt.
1: Yeah, for the benefit of the doubt. Would occasionally use some marijuana be okay? And I'm like,
3: eh. eh. I'm not against anything. Yeah, I'm I just not against think, anything either. I just don't like.
1: I'm not that, recommending it because like the data's is that- not there to support it. But I,
3: eh.
0: Don't I mix, mix it, it don't with ecstasy, like
3: that cocaine, anxious alcohol,
1: and heroin. <laughs> and <caroling>. Everybody's <laughs>
3: misdiagnosing diagn- themselves as anxious. Yeah. It's, it's it a would- real thing, and it's an insult yeah. to truly people who suffer from anxiety. Hey, I have for everybody anxiety. to say they're anxious. Yeah. Do 12-year-old kids say they're anxious? Uh, they go, are. What does that mean? They should be. What does that mean? You're supposed to no, be. No, it's a word they learned from their parents and doctors.
1: Yeah. Uh. I mean, just...
3: a kid's natural thing is I'm feeling anxious right now.
1: You know what? We, what what we called it when we were kids was, "Hey, reality sucks. <laughs> <laughs> reality sucks, man. Yeah. Right? The world sucks. I, man. Don't, I hate
3: school. Yeah, <laughs> you know but, but, but you—that's not.
1: In, in a, I don't know which is worse, though. In a way, realizing that no, my feelings suck, and anxiety is one of those feelings. <laughs> That's a kind of a progress. I don't know. I don't know. You're right. There's too much focus on not um, feeling good. Because that, that, not feeling good is the normal state of humanity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it is. that? But, is but, but, but feeling horrible is not. And sort of where is that differentiation between, eh, I feel good all the time, or I have some bad feelings, versus I feel horrible.
3: i can give you an example this morning. So I'm dealing with this guy. He's anxious. He's getting discharged on Friday. He was told he is, and blah, 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 and da, da, da. And you know how it is in a rehab. So then he comes at me as soon as I walk in the door and blah, 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 blah. And he's trying to once more days or one, you how know, once, over. Uh, you know, two months or something. Post-skew so withdrawal. Then, <laughs> so, <laughs> then, so then literally 15 minutes later, he's laughing and just uh, everything's great. Well, that's, that's how you and know. That, listen, that's Bob. life.
1: No, no, Bob. But that's also how you know it's post withdrawal because when they're in it, they feel like it's never going to end. And, and particularly if some benzos involved with benzo withdrawal. meth. Because because the, they feel when they're in it, maybe
3: benzos. You got to come down somehow. Yeah,
1: I think there's some benzos in there. It, they just feel like it's never going to end. It's always going to be around. It's never going to you know. That's that kind of weird thinking they get into when but they're this, in a bad state. But
3: what I'm saying is, people keep insisting that they're trapped in a feeling state, and feelings are transient, and they yep. they come and they go. Yep. Even suicidality,
1: they, That's why you put people in a place
3: for a while, and then it goes and it ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. What What's strange is we have things in our culture that say. Um, don't be too happy. You're yeah. naive. The yeah. other shoes gonna drop. Yeah. All this kind of stuff. Like rather than embrace or understand that feeling states sadness,
1: yeah. loss, grief, well, and happiness, joy. Some of that is that people are trauma survivors. And they we get, give, stuck they get stuck in to They get stuck. And then that's what the problem is.
3: But then you verbally reinforce your stuckness. Yes, 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 yes I agree. Okay. It
1: still waxes and wades to some degree. It's just the, the degree of the numbers of people in the last 30 years that have that proclivity makes it seem matter of fact. Susan, something else?
2: I don't know what naltrexone is, but this yes, guy Steve do. wants to know if it's good for alcoholism. It kind of is. Yeah, it, it is. Kind of is. It is. Yeah, the, what is it?
1: It's we were with a woman last night that was advocating Vivitrol. Remember that? Yes. The, well, that's Vivitrol, one, one it's version a of it. Generic. But what of is it? it? It's a, an opioid blocking, uh, and it it it. <laughs> I love it. I uh, the people they have implants of it, they
3: have w- monthly shots of it, they have oral daily.
1: I will get you the shot, honey. It's do I don't, a- <laughs>
2: no, I just don't know what it is. It
1: it is a It
3: helps a little
1: bit. Yeah, it helps a
2: little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's one from Alexander Mail. Uh what's the longest treatment for PTSD with sertraline last? With sertraline last? Mm,
1: it's, I don't know what that question is. I don't know is, if but, he wrote that right. Sertraline helped, is, is, is you know, an antidepressant. It's helped
2: with getting my anxiety attacks, but the yes. VA isn't giving me a definite answer, answer on, on how, how long it, it will oh, I'll be on it.
1: Oh, I, years. I've been on it for a month. No, no, years for sure. And, and that's if you're doing active therapy, and you should be doing active therapy. And group a big part of that if you're – particularly if you have sort of military kinds of exposure with your PTSD. I want to go back to Vivitrol because not enough is made of that stuff. Naltrexone, we should all have naltrexone in our hand in case we come across somebody with an opiate overdose yeah. because you can reverse it immediately. They'll wake up Oh, that's and the survive. thing. That, it's like Narcan? Or? It's Narcan. Narcan is a form of a, There's a relative two of other
3: things. I believe it has some... Uh, Reducing of, cra- of of kind of thinking about opiates yes, with opiate addicts, pro- it might- but it also they all love taking pills, yeah. and when they take the pill, and they're just oh I can't use and all they reinforce it. Whereas maybe. when you told me or Steve Earle or other junkies in the '80s, oh you're going to be on this blocker, yeah. we just like oh no, well no no no, <laughs> no can I can get it. through it. Well, they <laughs> just they're just like they're followed directions I, I, people. I, I will now. give
1: maybe that's good for the millennials. I've said that the research shows that. the V- Vivitrol is superior to the pills, okay, and there's less side effects. Liver yeah, side effects. Yeah, but Vivitrol's
3: nine hundred fifty bucks, seven
1: hundred bucks. Yeah, and that's why I didn't use a lot of it because we had other ways to spend that yeah, money to get people sober. Living. I,
3: I'm
1: with you. I, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you. I, and then the implant's a lot more expensive, but that's may even be more effective. Not can, at
3: Kaiser. Kaiser believes in the
1: implant. Well, it's not FDA approved yet. So anyway, I, I don't. They're giving it, it at Kaiser. Good because the, what is that a research thing probably oh. it, it, not enough is yet made of these blocking agents it, they block the ability to get high from opiates and your they, ability
3: to be treated for pain well if you get in a car accident well, right
1: it, maybe and and then the, but it decreases the the response of euphoria from alcohol and may decrease the thinking about alcohol too and it may again in my experience have a little utility with uh, stimulants of all the drugs in all the harm
3: reduction all the psych stuff yeah. that's supposed to reduce craving
1: Naltrexone is the one drug I've seen work. Yeah, I, we're, and, we're, and I don't understand why the excessive enthusiasm for suboxone and the naltrexone Narcan stuff is sort of marginalized. And even people like, oh no, people die when they take that. I'm like, what, show me the research. And, and let's remind everybody, suboxone, they die if
3: they take naltrexone.
1: That's what, that's what our psychiatric colleagues say. <laughs> but listen, but listen, Samsa and Nida are Love suboxone. in business with the drug company and generating income for those organizations on suboxone and, mar- and, and obviated their generic application. They need generics. And they're continuing to benefit and did the research in it. So there's a weird collusion there. It concerns me. That's all I'm saying. It concerns me. Okay. Yeah.
2: So I know two people. This is from Canada. I know two people who want to get into rehab. They've called all those numbers on TV, but due to money issues, they can't get into anywhere. They need medical detox, dying for help. Please message me for more details. But this is Canada. Canada Canada is her name.
3: Canada. Canada. So well, so uh, so there's assessment? two different. Uh, well, yeah, National Assessment Foundation will uh, help you straighten it out. What's the number? But let's. It's the it's,
2: National Foundation dot com.
3: Yeah, we can go to that, but. Or National Addiction Foundation, just NAF, type yeah. that in, it'll show up. But let's explain to people what's going on, because there's a lot of fear about Obamacare, and there's a lot of fear about why people can't get help. There are three types of insurance. There's good insurance, there's basic insurance, and there's Medicaid. Those are the three. The, the, Basically. The, only the good insurance gets you fancy rehab.
1: And doesn't do it for very long. Yeah. but it, month, you, can get most, you can get outpatient
3: for a while. You get month and at the most, and, total you know, sixty yeah. two Sixty days, including outpatient, right? For really, really good Aetna PPO, that only people in unions. You can't buy that insurance anywhere. You can't buy that anywhere. You you get it from a union. You get it from your job. Um, So the other two categories of insurance do have programs Mm -hmm. that that are covered by just basic PPO insurance HMOs. Right? And Medicaid. But you've got to be willing to go there. And honestly, America wants to go to Malibu. Yeah. You know what I mean? And only (laughs) one out of three people... I do too. Only one out of three people can go to Malibu. And I just wanted to do a public service announcement about that. Okay. Right? Uh, Because when they think of rehab, and we've been kind of guilty of it, they think of really intense, therapeutic, and amazing teams... And like what we had on television yeah. or like what they see in Malibu or yeah, yeah. this kind of stuff. You don't necessarily need you that, get, by the You way. don't need it. Yeah. You can get sober. I get sober in the L.A. County Jail and yeah. a friend's couch. You, you, People you, get sober at, at county programs in the Salvation the, 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 Army. Now, they, now, they get sober Salvation at their, their local hospital detox. Right.
1: Local. So a local hospital is a possibility. Yes. And they are required to, uh, to treat you. Can't, hospitals can't turn you away. No matter what happens with Obamacare. But Obama if you've basic
3: insurance, all hospitals yeah. are in network. So you get
1: an inpatient detox, then you can go to 12-step and a sober living or even just 12-step from home. 12-step is free. People will sit on you and stay with you. People who stay sober themselves by helping you. It's insane that not, we are not using more 12-step. It's insane. It's free and it works. It's For free. Sake, it's and free. so so just remember,
3: on the back of your insurance card it has a phone number. It says mental health and chemical dependency. Phone number. It will tell you what your insurance, what treatment centers your insurance is. But if it's pays. bad, go to
1: emergency room. Just go to the hospital if, you're, if you have bad detox issues. Well, I go.
3: could give an even better hint where you'd get... Seventy-two hours worth of help, but I won't. <laughs> All right, uh, do we
1: uh, wrap it up here? You have to go get
3: your one
2: more one, more, one more, one more. I've been on Wellbutrin. <laughs> Sorry, you guys. I've been on Wellbutrin for over sixteen years uh, for depression and anxiety. Right now, I'm going through tragedy, and I'm experiencing the worst depression oh. I've ever had. Oh, my. Should I try a different medication?
3: I don't think you should be in charge. Go to your doctor yeah, don't and say, ever, I'm... I'm yeah. That's the thing about America. We have advertising on television. Go yeah. tell your doctor what drug you want.
1: Yeah, no, no. That's
3: the most ridiculous thing Look, about...
1: I know about all these things. I would never dictate my own care. You need an objective evaluator. <laughs> so go to your doctor and tell him how you're feeling. I think there's a good probability they will add something. That's probably what Boost happen. bar. Mm. She sounds pretty unhappy, and or she might, and they might change the kind of Obutin or obituary. They'll probably the give dose. her Klonopin, though, though. <laughs> no, yeah, not, not necessarily. It, it, uh, that, that she, that's Drew, true. you think too much of your colleagues. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're depressed. I mean, it's depression, and, and you know, no, it's sad. They, they had a bill of, fire, but she's going through adult. a life thing, maybe yeah. grieving yeah. or something, yeah. and so some temporarily, some something. It's really sad, but anyway. Listen, uh, Facebook Live. Thank you for joining us. Fun. Uh, anything else? Yeah. Uh, well,
2: like... I'm not going to ask this question, but I had a couple of people with your thoughts on Suboxone. But that's an entire different show. No, I, listen. <laughs> sometimes
3: I go off the deep end about Suboxone. I don't like the advocacy of it by non addicts.
1: Well, I, I, I don't the, like the,
3: doctors advocating it who don't deal with
1: the how a, about the excessive. Enthusiasm. How about for ten
2: years if it's being used for pain management? That's fine that's, that's fine. a proper use. Yeah okay. the, it's the,
1: it's the excessive that enthusiasm really... that's bothering us. The fact that doctors are being doctors who don't understand addiction are being instructed and paid well to take 200 patients on with this. I I we know what we're doing. I couldn't take 20. But they're
3: advocating the sober community to get behind it. No no no. And that's the thing where it's a bridge too far for me the the addiction community, the treatment community, NIDA, SAMHSA, that, like it is not a one size fits all. Yes. One of the one Bottom of the line. things I'm looking at in 2018 at Aloe or or, or Temecula or both, we're going to have a Suboxone with counseling track. Yeah, sure. if, within if it, an abstinence base, yeah. you
1: have different tracks yeah. for
3: different people sure. need have different needs. It, certain people and you put them in.
1: It can save their lives. Yes. People, for sure. And certain people abstinence based treatment is not for everybody period and a story for sure and the
3: assessors matter
1: yeah the specialists
3: who have been doing this for 20 years not the academics who've been working in a lab somewhere the people that have been on the streets with the junkies for 20 years i know who needs to be on suboxone i have two clients on suboxone i recommended it yeah but not 19 year old kids that just started taking dope and and you could be sober and turn their lives around and go to college instead of be a fry cook on suboxone
1: all right we will uh, leave it at that. Thank you very I much. I use
3: that because the HBO special, that's what NIDA, it's the best they could come up with for the Suboxone. The, uh, the outcomes? outcome yeah. was the, in the, the other thing they don't <laughs> test them. They don't, the other <laughs> thing I object to
1: is they, they test urine unabsorbed, unobserved, and they, they don't test for anything else often. What so about
3: doctors can't be on it? Pilots can't be on it? Chemical dependencies, counselors can't be on I it? Know. How? Uh, uh.
1: Why is it so great if we can't, if we can't take it? It's, right. a, it's another show, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you next time.
0: <laughs> Wish I could have been Better friend In the end Than I am Could've stuck around But I ran With a pen And a plan Damn this city We're Heating up ain't afraid Of the bed that we made She's dancing dirty Dipping down our flirty Hope this building is sturdy There's no one's there To hurry, hurry, hurry We're dancing on the rooftops Dancing on the rooftops Tonight Dancing on the rooftops Dancing on the rooftops Dancing on the rooftops tonight. Rooftops where it's at. Find a ladder, chase the cat. Rooftops where it's at. Find a ladder, chase the cat. Rooftops where it's at. Chase a cat. Rooftops, where it's at, where it's at. Better find a skyline. Stop living the high life. I'm losing my mind tonight. We're dancing on the rooftops, dancing on the.